Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Ruben Sellers to my Russell Martin. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm very good. It's It's been a bit of a, a strange weekend. Obviously, Man City being crowned champions. I've been a bit bitter about it because obviously they're in you know, infinite resources. I think it's why I love the championship so much because we get so much more drama rather than the actual inevitability of the richest team winning. Uh, well, actually, no, I take that back, actually, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You've really dug yourself a hole straight from the off here, aren't you? <laughs> On the show this week, we essentially have the championship edition of Mount Rushmore talking to you, ladies and gentlemen, today. We have YouTuber Benjamin Bloom. How are you, dear boy? I'm, I'm wonderful. It's great to be talking to you guys and Mr. Ben HD. It's been, it's been a long time. You've got Ben HD. You've introduced him before. I've even <laughs> sorry, had a chance. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Everyone ignore that for a sec. Also with us is YouTuber Ben sorry. HD. Ben, are you well? It's a great intro. Yeah, very well. Good to be speaking to you boys again. Thought a bit of championship for you. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to be previewing the championship playoff final with our team of experts and Justin. We'll have a tactical look at the game, talk about where it could be won and make some predictions along the way. So we'll begin with you, Benjamin Bloom. How difficult to predict is this final compared to the recent playoff finals that we've had last season? Could have been a very different result if VAR was working, but I think most thought Forest would win. The season before, Brentford were the favourites and ended up winning quite comfortably, actually. Brentford v Fulham in 2020 was a tight one. How does this compare to them? Well, I think when you get to the one-off game, I think a bit of the jeopardy disappears. I think when people talk about shocks and whatnot in the playoffs, I think that's a that's a semi-final thing often, isn't it, where maybe you can you know, catch a catch a fair wind if you finished in um, sort of fifth or sixth. But um, honestly, from a fair way out, I expected it to be Luton and um, Middlesbrough. I have to say, but I was at the I was at the first game between Coventry and Borough, and um, all I could think of was watching Ipswich in the late nineties. And year after year, George Burley's Ipswich would play lovely football, and year after year, Howard Kendall. Colin Todd, Alan Kerbishley would turn up and play knockout football against a side that was good at league football, essentially. And that's exactly what Coventry did. They they had it in the dugout, as much as I like Michael Carrick and I've really liked Middlesbrough's attacking football this season. That was a proper how to play a knockout semi-final, wasn't it? We're gonna we're gonna keep this tight and we've got two match winners and they combined for the goal, basically. So in terms of um, it comparing to other finals. I don't think we've got a massive favourite, Ryan. I think where I'm at is Luton are a better team, but maybe those two Coventry individuals and the guy in the dugout could swing it in their favour. And I'm going to listen very carefully to what you guys say before I say any more. Ben, for those two teams to actually be in this position where they're one game away from the Premier League is... Pretty ridiculous, isn't it? Both in League Two in 2018, both have two of the smallest budgets in the championship. Coventry have had several obstacles in their way this season. Luton changed manager halfway through the season. 
just for these two teams to be here is rather balmy, but we're guaranteed to have one of them in the Premier League next season, which I still think is, I'm struggling to let that sink in with me. The idea <laughs> that Coventry or Luton Town will be in the Premier League next season. Yeah, it's been a fantastic story, hasn't it? And I do think it almost gives that little bit of hope to other sides that are working with a similar budget in the Championship that we can still get this little bit of unpredictability. Um, I know that you boys did have Luton, I think, predicted third um, at the start of the season, didn't you? But I think did we? most of us... Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, think most of us... I don't think we've reminded anyone at any point. <laughs> I'm hoping that'll be a weekly thing um, yeah, that you'll keep reminding <laughs> people of. But um, I do think at the start of each season, generally speaking, you know, the favourites we all go towards are those parachute teams. I think that was certainly the case for me. I think I had Luton and Coventry both placed just below the top six at the start of the season. So, yeah, it has been fantastic uh, for the journey so far. And like I say, giving that little bit of hope for other teams uh, to actually jump in there. But, yeah, don't think there's a massive overriding favourite at the moment. I think I was looking into it before. Uh, with the bookies, they've got Luton, the slight favourites at the moment. I think I'd just go along with that as well because they're a little bit uh, maybe further along in their overall trajectory than Coventry are. But, I mean, like Ben was saying before, the two match winners that Coventry have got and how good they are at knockout football, I think sort of levels this one up really. So, yeah, it's a really good clash. We were saying not too long ago, Justin, how heading into these playoffs from a neutral perspective, we'd be happy for any of the four teams to get promoted, really. It's not like we've got a freshly relegated team in the mix here who will be a bit boring if they got promoted again straight away. I think I speak for us all when I'd say we'd be delighted to see either of these teams actually go up. Whatever the outcome, yeah. I think it I think it paints a better, a better, a much clearer picture of what the championship's all about as well. You've got Coventry. I mean, we've alluded time and time again the issues they've had all season with the pitch, with this, the stadium problems. And then for them to be in a position where their one game away from the Premier League is 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 unreal. And then Luton, who are probably the best or top five best run countries uh, clubs in the country, again, to be one game away from being in the Premier League, it, it can be a life, not life-changing, but a, a, a generation-changing game for each of these clubs. Um, you've got And the loser, but, Justin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, we've got Coventry as well. If if they if they lose, for example, what happens to them next? You know, does because does Hamer get sold? Does Gyokres get sold? Where do they go from here? Nonetheless, they're in good hands under Mark Robbins, but it's a generation-changing game for each of these clubs. It's not like a Premier League team or a newly relegated Premier League team going to the playoff final. This is genuinely changing, like not life-changing, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's so monumental for each of these teams. Mike, you could argue it is life-changing, Justin, just for the amount of financial backing that club will get, whoever yeah. actually gets promoted. Let's look at the two teams then. We'll start with Luton Town. Ben, Carlton Morris has been in fine, for, fine form all season, anti 20 goals. He's their danger man, isn't he? Yeah, it's that, that front two, actually, which really fascinates me between him and Adebayo. Because Adebayo, I think, has slightly underperformed his numbers this season. But he's worked alongside Morris so well to free him up in those sort of situations. And, yeah, the goal contributions he's got this season has been amazing. And we saw, I mean, in that second leg, especially against Sunderland, how impactful they can be against, you know, if you do show any sort of vulnerability in your back line, as we saw a few cracks appearing uh, with that Sunderland back line. I think it is... Almost the perfect matchup that we've got in this final, uh, given how well Coventry did to stifle the threats of Middlesbrough um, over the two legs that they had with their back three. That is an individual battle where, you know, a game of tight margins like this, it will be won or lost. But yeah, the 
the pickup, I think a lot of people saw it as quite a savvy one in the summer um, because he did show some decent signs at Barnsley. But yeah, he's exploded this season with his output. At the other end, Benjamin Luton are just so difficult to break down, aren't they? We saw that in the Sunderland game. Yeah, and um, I mean, a lot of people had Tom Lockyer in the teams of the season, and Horvath has been an excellent one. That was a that was an issue, wasn't it? Because they bet the farm on Sluger, if you remember. I think it was a club record signing, maybe a season or two before that didn't work out. And Justin said how well Luton are run. You know, I I thought it was net loss when James Bree went out, but Cody Drama. Straight in, I know he's the way they play the wing backs. It's a bit they're a bit more attackers than um, defenders. But um, Ben is dead right that they bullied Sunderland. Not going to be able to do that to McFadzian and Doyle and McNally. So you, you, every area of the pitch, Ryan, you're you, you can you can go immovable, object, irresistible force, can't you? And um, you just don't know where it's going to be won. Justin, which other Luton player stands out to you as someone who could perhaps cause problems for Coventry? It's, again, it's difficult because of Coventry's Coventry's strengths almost complement Luton's strengths going forward. So Coventry's defensive strengths complement Luton's going forward as well. You'd expect the wing-backs to have more of a say in this because the percentages for Luton playing balls in behind just isn't going to be there because Coventry are going to trench in again. They're going to do a very good job of it again. So that space for Morris and Bay to exploit just isn't going to be there. So wing-backs are going to be so essential, especially getting good deliveries into the box. It only takes one decent cross to, to for, for the ball to fall to Morris or, or Adebayo, or maybe Adebayo to miss one or two, and then Morris to put one put one away, if you know what I mean. It only takes one decent cross to um, to really cause damage. And, and, and Drame has been um, such a useful asset for Rob Edwards in in adapting the style of playing to how he wants it in terms of playing really advanced wing-backs as, as, as Benjamin alluded to and Doherty as well. So I think the wing-backs drama and Doherty are going to have a big impact if Luton are going to come out of this game with a win. That being said, really, it's so hard to separate them. Coventry have got two standout players, haven't they? Richie Ocarez, Gustavo Hamer. Ben, talk to me about Big Vic. 21 goals for the season. Not scored in the playoffs yet, but we saw in that Middlesbrough game how much of a threat he still poses, even though he's not putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, 100%. I think if you look at the goals he scored this season as well and how many he creates for himself out of nowhere. And in a game like this that we're expecting to be so tight, you know, you're giving the ball in the left channel, get him isolated 1v1 against one of those defenders and he is capable of pulling off a little bit of magic. And when you've got someone behind him in Gus Hamer, who's one of the best in the league at what he does, um, if those two, those two can channel that inner sort of connection that they've had together this season... Um, and getting behind that Luton side, then that's where this game's going to be won for Coventry. And yeah, in terms of just the eye tests and things like that so far, Yokres has been hands down my in my top three favourite players to watch this season, I'd say. Speaking of great players to watch, Benjamin, I love watching Gustavo Hamer play. He is an unbelievable midfielder, isn't he? And the, the knockout strategy, Ryan, suits him better, doesn't it? He's got that screen that's gonna kind of stay put behind him and like you said you, you knew if a goal was coming against Middlesbrough it would be one or other of those two either combining with each other or another player and 
uh, Ben just mentioned the eye test and he he just aces the eye test for even in the the nil nil the semi final he was the one trying to push trying to um, get them out be very interesting because McNair was basically detailed on Jokerez wasn't he through the semi finals until his substitution in the in the second leg he's just a monster isn't he just a sort of physicality maybe I don't know is is Carlton Morris the other end um, a little less mobile in terms of running in behind you want him pinned on the pinned on the defender but um yeah those are the two and to the idiot commentary fan I had in my YouTube comments by the way um suggesting two standout players is not suggesting this is a two-man team because there's plenty of other good players in that Coventry team and I think Ryan you'd be flagging up three players if Callum O'Hare hadn't been injured all season as well wouldn't you no, it's a fair point. Very fair point. I could already picture the playoff final on Saturday having Tom Lockyer man-marking uh, Vichy Ocarez all game. And then you've got Marvellous Nakamba, who's basically following Gustavo Hamer for the whole 90 minutes. Trying like not to get red yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of them's getting sent off if that happens. <laughs> yeah. And Justin, forgive me if I'm being harsh, and this kind of just follow on from what Benjamin was just talking about. Are Coventry City essentially a very well-organised team with two outstanding players who should be in the Premier League going forwards? On the, on the face of it, yes. But there are so many players who do the work for Coventry that allow the likes of Giocares and Hamer to really thrive. You look at Luke McNally and his impact since he came in in January. He's been a season-changing signing for Coventry because he's really... They've really tuned up defensively since he's come in. Then you've got McFadden. Coventry dropped off during his injury. That's not a, a coincidence. He is a leader. He is a colossus. He wins everything at the back. So there's there's two players there who really allow Coventry to thrive. And if they're not sound defensively, if they're not as well-structured as they are, Giocares and Hamer don't have an impact further up the pitch because Coventry will concede more chances. They've been one of the best defensive teams in the division because of the likes of McNally, McFadden, and Doyle, um, the dirty work of Ben Sheaf. Being the hipster I am, I'm a Ben Sheaf super fan. So are you, right? And they've been we... so patient with him, Justin, because the loan exactly. wasn't that impressive, but he'd obviously been identified as a project in the same way. It's three seasons of Gus Hamer now developing him, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And we've seen Ben Sheaf become the perfect complement for, for Hamer. And you saw the impact Sheaf had in that game against Middlesbrough. He hadn't played for several weeks. He was he was gassed towards the towards the time uh, towards uh, Robbins bringing him off. So there are there are players there that allow the likes of Giocares and Hamer to really thrive. So I think calling them a two man team is harsh. On paper, it looks like it is, but they're not. They've got players there that that help them really, really be the players that they are essentially. Gentlemen, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about the weaknesses of the two teams. And this is an interesting question. How would they do if they did get to the Premier League? Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. We're having a look ahead to the playoff final on Saturday with our group of championship experts. So let's look at the weaknesses of these two teams. Ben, what's Luton's biggest weakness in your mind? Uh, I think there are a couple of things that you could maybe pin at. I think when you look at the second half of uh, the semi-final that they had against Sunderland in the first leg, I think what hampered them a little bit in that one was I think Nakamba and Mpanzu picked up quite early bookings um, in that game and it sort of limited their 
ability to be as biting in the second half and as that little bit of space opened up for Sunderland um, and maybe some tired legs came into it and things like that, we saw the game starting to open up a little bit more. And I think if that sort of thing happens and that press does die off a little bit, um, we may be able to see Coventry getting a few chances. I also think that for whatever reason, um, it may just be a personal thing or the eye test because I know he's kept so many clean sheets this season. But I do think that Ethan Horvath has a bit of a mistake in him. Um, I just think that if someone like, uh, you know, a Gus Hamer gets a shot away from 25 yards or something like that, I, I just got something in the back of my mind that says maybe there's a bit of a clangor in there still. But that might just be me. Just in you nodding your head there. It's something that I've pulled up in my notes is I'm not 100% convinced by Horvath. I think he's done well this season. But like Ben said, there's something that isn't quite really convincing me that he's got it on the big occasion. We've seen several clangers this season and we saw a couple for Forest last season. He's got it in him. Ben Wilson, maybe he's protected by a very good defence. We've probably maybe not seen the quite, you know, the best of him, so it's really hard to judge. But I do agree with Ben. I think Horvath's an interesting watch to see if he does drop anything, specifically the ball elsewhere in the pitch where he doesn't need to drop it, yeah. Benjamin, what do you think uh, Coventry's big weakness is? I think it'll be judging the approach, Ryan, because it feels like both Luton and Coventry slightly tweak their strategy in the semi-final based on who they were playing. And Luton tried to put the fear of God up Sunderland's <laughs> injured defence and let poor Joe Gelhart run against three centre-backs and not have the ball. And it felt like Coventry knew if they put a press on Middlesbrough that they were probably going to concede a couple of goals in the tie. So they were a little bit more reserved than they normally are, a little bit more, um, I don't want to say passive, it's the wrong word, but you know what I mean, don't you? They, 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 they let the game come on to them and defended. So I feel that Luton will have less of a tweak to make to come back to their normal style to face Coventry. Whereas Coventry would be a little bit like, well, hang on a minute. We just absolutely nailed the semi-final. The Middlesbrough are the top scorers in the division in Michael Carrick's tenure and have blown teams away. Double clean sheet, one away. Only, am I right? Only away winning the EFL playoffs, I think, throughout the whole three divisions. I think I'm right in that. Someone will certainly shoot me down if I'm, if I'm wrong about that. But I don't know, Ryan, whether they go, well... You know, we're we going to sit back at, at Wembley, which, um, and I wanted to shout out when Ben was answering loot and weakness, they're not playing at the Kenny, which I think we'd all have them favourites to, to win the final if it was held in, in Luton at Kenilworth Road. So I just don't know, Ryan, whether Robbins goes super conservative or whether they put a bit more of a press on, whether they get caught between the two. I think an interesting point that hasn't really been brought up as far as I'm aware. How many times this season have we seen Victor Jokerez on the halfway line, picking up the ball, sprinting towards the opposition goal and creating something from that? Lots. Lots of times. Yeah, you're right. Wembley's pitch is bloody massive. If he's going to be doing that, he's going to be covering a lot of miles into doing, he's going to be having to carry the ball a long way on a number of occasions to try and make something happen. Gustavo Hamer as well, he's going to have to cover quite a few yards on that Wembley pitch as well if he's going to have as much of an impact as well. So just something that 
I think when you were just talking there, Benjamin, is something. And that... Ryan, just to come back on that, it's a massive yeah. intangible. I was at the Pizza Cup final and I said to a Plymouth fan before the game, be careful, this stadium eats teams alive when they're not ready. And two hours later, Plymouth lost 4-0. So you just have to have your, have your head right if you've got players who, you know, it, it, it can just swallow you up, can't it, sometimes? Yeah, spot on. Justin, who do you think will do better in the Premier League out of Coventry and Luton? <laughs> you know what? I was hoping you'd ask me this question. Um, I was, uh, I'm very well prepared for it. I always <laughs> fall back to a quote that Daniel Farker said uh, a few years ago. Do the voice. I'm not going to offend anybody by doing that voice. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. <laughs> I will get cancelled very quickly. Um <laughs> Yeah, Daniel Falker said that the defensive teams going into from the Championship into the Premier League Top tend peeps. to fare better, <laughs> tend to fare better than the teams that attack, because his Norwich team, as we know, have yo-yoed. Sheffield United did very well in their first season under Chris Wilder. Um, Forest have fared okay under Steve Cooper this season. It's those well-structured defensive teams that take to the Premier League quicker than those teams that prefer to attack. So I don't think the notion of Coventry or Luton getting battered in the Premier League is as obvious as 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 it is. As it is. Luton, for example, at the Kenny, their home form is going to be a big triumph for them, isn't it? It's going to be a big, big win for them next season. I think Coventry, less so with the, the CBS arena, but they've got Mark Robbins, who's an expert tactician, in my opinion, opinion who will find strengths and weaknesses in opposition um, and exploit them. I don't think they'll get battered. I think they'll struggle but I don't think they'll get battered every week as some supporters or some championship viewers may 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 think. So, Justin, who do you think would do better in the Premier League after Coventry <laughs> and Luton? <laughs> uh, maybe Luton. I, I, maybe, I maybe lean towards Luton. Would you go along with that, Ben? Yeah, I think my, my gut instinct would just be to say Luton. Um, and it'll be an interesting one. I mean, both teams would have to nail the recruitment, really. I think they've been both quite creative with how they've done it over these last few years. Uh, Loney's propping up the 11s as well. I mean, we saw with, you know, Forrest and the work that had to go into that squad, uh, replacing the Loney's, um, and that would be a similar sort of case with these two. But even getting that experience um, of being in the Premier League, getting that wealth, and then going ahead and setting themselves up for, you know, future successes. I think the team that really nailed that were... Burnley, who I think got promoted, went down in the first season and then just used that as the foundations and then had, what was it, like eight eight consecutive eight. seasons in the Prem or something like that. Yeah, so I think that's the blueprint that I think both clubs should probably be looking to follow and not sort of um, overextending them um, just to desperately try and stay in the Premier League in that first year. But between the two, gut instinct would say Luton maybe. But yeah, they'd both be a lot of fun in the Premier League, I think. I don't think they'd get battered every week, as a few people might think. Benjamin, if even if the even if the winner gets promoted right and gets relegated, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Good point. Um, <laughs> you've completely lost my trail of thought. Now. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the winner gets promoted, right, and then say they got relegated immediately, finish bottom with how many wins under their belts, whatever. Yeah. The financial impact for that team. Because both these teams have small budgets compared to championship levels, let alone Premier League levels, it will do them a world of good, won't it? Oh, you go, you go back to Justin's opening gambit at the top of the show of you know the the wealth, and we've 
us four have talked about it until we're blue in the face and you've heard me ranting about it enough times about the cliff edges. But we all roll our eyes about the £170 million game and then next year it's the 100 But it is. You go up one season, you bank £100 million quid TV money that year, minimum two years parachute payments. Um, I assume the TV deal will go up and up and up and that will be won't be 75 million it'll be 80 million and it'll be 85 million and the championship clubs are still getting 7 million and you know it if you can play that long game and you would think after Ryan what the fans of these two clubs have been through that if they did have uh, maybe a worst case scenario a 20 point season in the in the premier league you literally go from being paupers to kings when you come back down, you've literally got five times more broadcast money than everyone else. So if, as Ben says, you can do a Burnley or a Norwich and not go too crazy and, you know, be signing lots and lots of players on huge wages, although maybe Nottingham Forest have shifted the paradigm this season because they've done it and they've survived. And, you know, we all would have been a bit worried if they'd have got relegated with that strategy. But no, I totally agree, Ryan. And, you know, it can change the face of the club like Justin says for 10 10 years potentially if you don't fudge the money and for all the people that say oh parachutes there's no guarantee we get it you have to be competent with the money use the money well and you should have a massive competitive advantage for years going on I just like to add a disclaimer Despite what Benjamin just said, do not do what Forrest did, <laughs> Luton or Coventry. I don't advise that. Um, let, let's talk about what's at stake, though, because when we talk about the playoff finals, we always talk about, oh, £170 million game or £1 trillion game, whatever it is, <laughs> and how much that money that team could win from getting to the Premier League and actually being in the Premier League itself. What What's often forgotten is the team who loses out and what they miss out on. So, Ben, with that being said, do you think the loser of this game, will they drop down the table next season and see this as a missed opportunity? Or do you think they'll be more than capable of going again? Yeah, it's a tough one because both teams are on this ridiculous trajectory where they're just bettering their season year upon year. And there does reach a point where that does max out and you will get that sort of natural drop off. Um a lot of it will depend on um, what happens in the summer with both sides, if they are picked apart a little bit. You know, we saw what happened with um, the Huddersfield team um, after the playoff final and the talents they lost, the manager leaving and things like that, and how quickly things can actually unravel. I'd like to think that there's a bit more sense um, with these two. And certainly, I mean, even if Coventry were to lose one or two of those, you know, big stars that they um, would potentially sell, the income they'd receive for both of them, um, would hopefully put them on a sort of level playing field to sort of um, negate that loss. So I don't think we'll get a drop-off as brutal as perhaps that Huddersfield one um, that we saw there, but I'm not sure if we see this continual rise where you know one of them's going for automatic promotion next season, which would be the only way they could sort of top this season, really. Yeah, we've had the last two seasons now, haven't we? we had two teams having massive drop-offs after being in the yeah. playoffs. Barnsley, Huddersfield. Justin, what do you think? Do you think they will drop off, whoever loses this game, or do you think they will go again? I think Luton have got the potential to go again. I mean, they've shown it. They've got a sound strategy to do it. I think with Coventry, they're at a point where they're probably ending this. They're probably coming to an end with the other uh, phase with the likes of Giocares and, and, and Gus Hamer. But 
Well, contrary to, to, to common belief, I don't think they're the biggest assets at the club. I think Mark Robbins is. I think as long as Mark Robbins is at the helm of that football club, they're in good hands. Whoever they have player-wise, I think Gokros could get sold and they'd still find a way to to, to get results and, and you know, garner ways to win. I think as well as that, even if they didn't reach the playoffs, they're in a really good place at the moment with Doug King and and, and seeing where they go from here with, with a new owner. It's a really, really exciting time to be a Coventry fan. So I don't think it's the end of the world if they do uh, lose in the playoff final. Um, but as I say, Mark Robbins is their biggest asset. So I think they they will be they'll be fine. I don't think they'll be as competitive getting into the top six. It might take them one or two seasons to go again because I'd expect Gokres to get sold and maybe Hamer as well. Um, but I certainly expect them to bounce back sooner or later. And, and with Luton, as I say, they've got the ability to go again and go again and go again because that's just what they do. Right then, boys, this is the big question. What do you think the result will be and why? Benjamin Bloom, you can go first. This is probably going to flip-flop about 20 times during the course of this week. On the basis of the league season, you'd have to back Luton because the top four were, were clear and they were clearly a better league side. And I can hear all the people screaming, listening now, going... But that's irrelevant because this is knockout football now and they would be right. On the basis of the semis, you'd almost back Coventry um, on how impressively they kind of played the knockout game and dealt with it that way. So I always try and imagine, Ryan, what it looks like each team winning. I think it's obvious maybe Luton, pressure, build up, hemming, um, forced chances from maybe some set plays or whatnot. And that's not an insult, Luton fans. Don't be sensitive about it. There's a great way to playing a very successful way. Coventry, you would imagine, sitting in and maybe a counter with Jokerez, maybe maybe binding your time. And it's, I'm going against my better judgment, Ryan, because I think Luton are a better team. Coventry have got two better individuals. I'm just on Coventry. Wouldn't be surprised if we were under 1.5 and going to extra time as well. Interesting. Ben HD, who's winning on Saturday and why? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see this game go in the distance, um, if I'm honest. I think both reverse fixtures between these two in the season ended level as well. So I think that adds another dynamic to this one that in the playing season, there wasn't much between them. I don't see either team bossing the possession or the ball or anything like that. And I see the chances being fairly evenly spread out as well. My gut feeling right now, and I mean, like Benjamin was saying before, I probably will flip-flop on this uh, throughout the week. So I'm not being held to one prediction but right now my gut instinct is saying 1-1 one, one, we go the distance to penalties and then Luton just take it on penalties I like this Justin what do you think I had my set of notes prepared fully for this and then over the course of this conversation I've changed my mind fickle. and <laughs> yeah very fickle it's basically me in a nutshell to be honest with you incredibly fickle the only reason why it is because Ben's made some really good points about, about Luton about Hovarth maybe not being at the best. And I'm liking the matchup of Giocares and Drame and Osho, because Osho is going to play on that right-hand side of, of the back three and Drame is going to be at wing-back. There's going to be a lot of space there for Giocares to get into because they're going to play advanced wing-backs, Luton. You'd expect that to be the case anyway. So I'm expecting Giocares to have a bit of a field day. Drame struggled against Jack Clark as well in that first leg against Sunderland. Giocares, similar dribbling ability and success rates as well. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd expect that to, to go in his favour in the matchup. I'm, it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to go to extra time, but I think Coventry might edge it. If it does go to penalties, I'd side with Luton, but I think Coventry will get it done after 90 minutes, 1-0. Wow. 
I suppose it's only right that I get my prediction into it. <laughs> I can guarantee one thing. I don't think it's going to be a game of much quality. I don't think it's going to be uh, one for the ages. I think it will be one of those playoff finals. In fact, correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember the last playoff final we've had, which has been, in terms of you know pure quality, very good. <laughs> Maybe that's ready. I was thinking more Fulham Villa, but that was quite a while ago now, wasn't that's it? it? That, was a, that was a Kenny win in the 87th minute. I was tired as anything that was. 2018, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a good quality matchup. But since then, it's all been a bit nervy, and that's been the real thing that's made it a great spectacle the amount of that's on the line and the amount of tension. If before, before the playoffs, I would have definitely said Luton to win the whole thing. Since the playoff semis, I've been swayed more towards Coventry. However, I will stick with Luton still. I think they'll greatly increase their chances more if they manage to manmark and Gustavo Hamer and Victor Jokrez out of the game, which I think I think that's Nakamba's main job, just to follow around Gustavo Hamer like he's a lost kid in a candy shop. Um, and then Tom Lockyer will have to just absolutely brutalise Richie Ocres as much as he can. Um, so I will go with Luton. I reckon they can get it done in 90 minutes, personally. Um, won't be surprised if it went the distance, but even then, I, I've been back in Luton for quite some time now, and I'm just going to stick by that, I think. Right, gents, now it's time for this. You inadvertently called Nakamba a paedophile. <laughs> basically <laughs> called him Marvellous Schofield. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is that recorded? Please don't clip that. <laughs> I'm referring to the brother, so I actually can't... Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> that why, why does this away. always descend into... <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it's time for Sam Grayson take for later. Yes! <laughs> no cheating, Ben HD. Hey, I'm prepared. As yeah, I can are. be. Are you? Well, are you prepared? You like to my <laughs> yes, it's time for Sam Grayson take for late. Someone asked the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. All they've got to do is name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say name Steve Bruce's last eight clubs and Benjamin were to say Villa, that's one down. And then Ben would say Newcastle, that's another down. But if Justin were to say Weymouth, he'd be out. So all you need to do, boys, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. Now, of course, Nottingham Forest won the playoff final last season and have now successfully stayed up in the Premier League. So well done to them. You had Keenan Davis and Brennan Johnson playing up front for them in that game. Can you name for me the eight remaining outfield players? I feel like this should be pretty easy. Benjamin Bloom is rubbing his hands together. Oh, is that the, the game? Two, <laughs> the other two are looking very nervous. Um, I will admit, I had a look back at the lineup myself. There were two in this, which I reckon I may have struggled on. But we'll see how you get on. Benjamin Bloom, you were rubbing your hands together. Can you name me one of the eight remaining outfield players from that Forest starting lineup? I'll go for the goalkeeper, Brees Samba. Outfield. Oh, I was just going to say as well, Ethan Horvath, who we mentioned earlier, I believe came on at the end of the game randomly for about the last um, 30 seconds. Um, let's go for, who was that guy who played for Bournemouth for years? Steve Cook. The, yes, um, that guy. 
that guy, the Forest <laughs> centre back, doesn't look much like a footballer, but very good at football. <laughs> yes, you are. You became an important player at the back for Forest that season after joining in January. That is correct. So one down. Ben HD, you can go next. Uh, Scott McKenna, he's got to be in there, surely. Yep, he was playing at the back for Forest. That's Love two that we're down. going in order. This is amazing. <laughs> Justin? Yeah, Joe Worrell dropped the F-bomb in his uh, post-game interview. Um, so he's, he's in there. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, he was the captain for this game, was playing at the back. So you've got the back three. Benjamin Blue, you'll go again. I think Jack Colback might have been playing out of position at left wing back, but I'm not 100% certain. I'm sure Jed Spence would have been playing at right wing back. So I will throw the left wing back to the others and say Jed Spence. Yep, despite promotion, he's played five minutes in the Premier League for Spurs this season. <laughs> uh, but he was playing in that playoff final uh, for Forest there. So you're halfway there, boys. I think at this stage, surely it'll be disappointing if any of you use, lose a life and we may have to chop you down from the Championship Mount Rushmore. <laughs> uh, ben HD. Uh, I don't know if this is a bit of a rogue shout, but it's popped into my head and I just want to throw it out there. But did Zinkenagel start in that final? He absolutely did. This was the tricky one. This was the Come one on. I wasn't sure you'd get because I, I completely forgot about him when I was trying to name it myself. Um, Justin, can you name which club he's currently at? <laughs> it's Olympiacos. Nope. Is it not? Anyone? It's Olympiacos, no. He's at Olympiacos permanently, but he's on loan at standardly age. Oh, there you Bizarre. go. Um, so you've got three remaining. Um, who said Zinconago was Ben HD wanted? Justin. Max Lowe was injured. Richie Larrier was the other left back or right back that they brought in to, but he didn't play. It's got to be Jack Colback by order of yeah, elimination. It's got to be Jack Colback at left wing back. Yep, absolutely correct. He started just four games for Forest in the Premier League this season, but he was basically their number one left back for the latter stages of last season you've got two remaining boys surely you'll get this at this point benjamin bloom on loan from manchester united central midfield james garner yeah absolutely correct i think judging from justin's reaction that was the one he seemed to forget about <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was in midfield for forest in this one justin do you know what club he's at now is that everton i think ben just said that benjamin bloom said that did he? I didn't oh, say sorry. that, no. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, he's, yeah, at, he's at Everton. I didn't yeah. think he did. Yeah, I uh, said yeah, that, he... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is at Everton, but he's not really played much. Uh, finally, then you've got one remaining, Ben HD. Oh, I feel like I'm going to bottle this here. I'm, I'm trying to piece together <laughs> the right, starting Peter, 11 <laughs> positions where everyone is, but I can't. I might have to throw this one over to Justin, you know, and tap, and tap out him. My mind's drawing a blank at this last player. Really? I feel like it'll be an obvious one. Yeah, it is an obvious one. I, I did not expect you guys to be stuck on this one. Uh, ben HD's out. You've got one remaining, Justin. It's Ryan Yates. Yeah, of course it is. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was in the middle of the park for this game. I was also checking as well. He started 20 games for Forest this season, which by Forest standards compared to how massive their bloody squad is, that's actually quite good. So there you go, gents. Got through without minimal harm, really. How are you happy? Are you happy with that, Benjamin Blue? Massively, yeah. Um, it's been a lot of turnover, a lot of lone players there at Forest. Um, um, I was confident, though, when, when you came up. Normally, you throw an absolute devilish, awful, <laughs> horrible curveball at us. So that, that was quite a friendly one, I think, Ryan. 
If it did the Huddersfield one, would that have been more of a struggle for you, Justin? Yeah, no. I think that would have been easier. We're going to do that once we're off air. <laughs> there you go. I'll let you know, ladies and gentlemen, how we get on. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. This has been our playoff expert preview of the final, which is coming up on Saturday. Were they that terribly, but you know what I mean. Uh, so, yeah, we look forward to speaking about the game, Justin and I, on Sunday, where we'll be reacting to the big final, talking about what it means for the team who's got promoted to the Premier League and talking about what it means for the team who's missing out on Premier League glory. But I'm bloody looking forward to it. Always love the playoff finals. So, Look forward to seeing you then on Sunday. But a quick thank you to our guests on the show this week, YouTuber Benjamin Bloom. Thank you for your time today. Legend. <laughs> that was a big thank you as well <laughs> to YouTuber Ben HD. Thank you for your time today. Always a pleasure, gents. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. <laughs>